Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. And today I'm joined by Gary Weir from the Brighter Skies Podcast and we're going to be doing a collaborative episode. I think you're really going to enjoy this because we're going to touch on some really important topics, not just property investing, but also um, around mental health a little bit and, and around you know resourcefulness and being resourceful and, and how you can make sure that you don't quit on your property journey, how you're going to face challenges, etc. So um, Gary, thank you for joining us. Really great to have you here. Um, for anyone who's listening in, just a little bit about you and, and I guess who you are, your journey, and what led you to property. Yeah, so my, my journey, I started in property 2016, started doing flips. The idea was that I was going to make enough money in property that, that would then allow me to be mortgage free. So that was the initial intention. And I just got too much into it. Um, that led me to a good friend, um, he's in the progressive community, Pete Kemp. Um, we did a commercial conversion together. He, he said, I'm getting too much into it, and that, that's what led, led us to Masopi, uh, and that's why we're here today. So, um, what about pre-property? So, what's Gar- who is Gary, and what, what, do you, what do you do? What were you doing before property? <laughs> so, pre, pre-property. Um, so, I left school with two GCSEs. Um, not that I was thick. I just didn't fit in at school. Uh, and what I did is I ended up following a dream. I had two dreams. One, to be an entrepreneur and one to be on the Red Arrows. My father, he's not got the risk appetite to be an entrepreneur. He said it was just air brain ideas. Not to talk bad about him, he's, he's been a great dad. He's, he's been a really, really good role model, uh, worked really hard, same with my mum. So what I did is I joined the Royal Air Force. And whilst joining the Royal Air Force, worked my way up, ended up becoming a, a manager on the Red Arrows, which was great. Um, and then after that, I just, I just realised I've, I've reached a peak, some, something where I wanted to go, but I still had an itch that I needed scratching. So I wanted to become an entrepreneur still. So I was looking at all these different ideas before property. Uh, and then unfortunately, I lost my mum to cancer. So 2016, died in my arms. And it was, it was more the, the wake up call, follow your dreams. So from there, that's when I, I said, right, I'm going to get a degree. So I got a degree, got an e-bosh, got... Uh, ISO 9001 qualifications, just to continue building my own skill set to to then progress. But then I made, it was like an epiphany. I just thought, I've done all these courses, I'm doing really well. I went up quite a few ranks, um, went from the lower ranks to a commissioned officer in charge of so many hundreds of personnel. But I was giving back to the, the Royal Air Force when I'd invested so much in me. So that's when I thought, let's go let's start looking at what I want to do, become an entrepreneur. And because I'd done so much in property anyway, it was a no-brainer. Mm. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I wanted to turn it into a business. So then I started working on my business, not in my business. So yeah. I pulled myself away. Awesome. So that's where my journey. So what about you? What about your journey? Oh, wow. Huge. Um, I started, I've been property now, what, 19 years. Um, I started back in 2003. But my first 10 years, I pretty much did everything possible wrong. And I tried, well, you've kind of said, you did your, your you know, red arrows and then you started in property. I kind of did a job and did property at the same time and quit many times along the way. So 2002, I moved over to the UK from Ireland to get a job working for um, a company called Lang O'Rourke. It was called O'Rourke at the time. It became Lang O'Rourke later. And um, I was working in an office job as, interestingly, a quality manager. So like I've, I've got a degree in ISO 9001 in quality management systems, so very, very similar. Um, so I did quality management, health and safety, all this type of stuff for, for the company. Um, office job and I lived in a shared house with a guy who, there's five of us sharing a property, all worked for Langwell Work. And one of them, this guy from South Africa called William, was buying property in South Africa. And he got me interested in property investing. And I thought that being Irish, I could just do property. I didn't need knowledge, etc. could just do property. So I went off to property investor show at the Excel Center and bought off plan property abroad. And I guess a little bit because um, William was in my mind was buying abroad, I should buy abroad. Reality was William was South African buying in South Africa, while I was Irish buying in Eastern Europe. <laughs> and um, I lost 
money I didn't have because I put down staged payments. I you could pay a small deposit if you ever bought off plan. You put down a small deposit and then you'd pay um, as it gets built. And 2007, the financial crisis came before they were fully built or nearly built, etc. One never got built, and. I realized not like I didn't wake up one morning and realize, but over a period of about four years, I realized I'd actually dug myself a debt of about 135 grand plus the interest on top. Um, so I couldn't get mortgages. I had to take out personal loans, credit cards, etc. And then I quit. So 2007, pretty much put my head in the sand and did nothing until 2013. 2013, I restarted. And people always say to me, "Why did you restart?" Well, it was because. If I lost 20 grand, I'd have quit forever. But because I lost so much money and I spent six years trying to earn my way out of debt, I still owed over 100 grand but after six years. So I knew the thing, the, the irony was the thing that put me in debt was property, but the only thing that could get me out of debt was property. So I had to keep going. I had no choice. Um, and people go, you say to me a lot, when we spoke about, you know, we talked maybe a little bit about resilience today and they say, well, you know, how were you so resilient? Well, I wasn't. I quit. <laughs> so just kept going. Um, but I restarted and I focused on cash flow. So I did things like rent to rents, lease options, just creative stuff. And today I'm known as the UK's leading expert in no money down investing. But it all happened because I built such a big debt I had no choice but to think differently. And sometimes it's when your back's against the wall, I guess, that makes you, you think differently. But that, that's, that's my journey. I, I want to focus a little bit more about red arrows. So what, I mean, for, for a mere mortal like me, um, when you hear about red arrows, you think, wow, that's like comic book, um, a movie, whatever. What's it like um, in the red arrows? For anyone listening in and thinking, what is the red arrows? So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, so the red arrows, um, it's, it's the UK's or the Royal Air Force Aerobatic Team. So that's what it, its official title is, the Royal Air Force Aerobatic Team, RAFA. Uh, and they're all based around excellence. Um, what you've got within the red arrows, have you got your pilots that fly them? and they've got your engineers that fix them, called the reds and the blues. So the reds will wear red suits, they go flying, blues engineers wear the blue suits. Uh, and what we do is we, we go around and perform displays at various different locations around the UK and overseas. Why? I mean, people must ask this question, why? And it's leverage. We use it for leverage. So not only do we so show what we can do, but we also show what our engineers can do. And we show the reach that the Royal Air Force has got and that we can do things. Uh, I mean, it's called, their motto is called Eclat, which means excellence in, in Latin. And it's just to show that we are excellent at what we do, show that we can train and uh, perform at a high standard. So that, that's the Red Arrows, really. So basically to scare the rest of the world. It, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> putting some smoke on and flying over them really fast. But yeah, it's not, it's not to do that. So no. we went over to China. Yeah. Um, but that showed that we can send 12 aircraft with engineers halfway around the world. It's just, it's just showing what we can do, yeah. really, uh, uh, with our resources. So it's not just that, oh, look at our shiny display. It's look at what we can do. Mm. Um, and that brought billions in, in money to, to the UK through industry. Do you feel that's helped you move into property? In what ways? Yeah, this is a massive question. I'm going to fire this back at you because I look at what skills can be transferred. And there are a lot of skills that can be transferred. So for me, um, I was one of the engineering managers, but uh, I then trained in various different other parts on the Red Arrows to do them functions. But it was about project managing, putting things in line, managing teams, understanding processes. If you understand the process and understand how to do a job from start to finish, you can apply that to anything. So yep. I applied it to property. And yeah, transferable skills is a big thing. And that's... That's why now, since I finished the Red Arrows and then went on and, and con did my degree, that was all to, to add strings to my bow. I wanted to make sure that I had some transferable skills to prove it to me because I wanted to know that I was good enough to, to go forward, to give me resilience, which is all good and well and good. But then when it comes down to it, things can, can go in different directions. So whilst there are some transferable skills, it can be can be tough at times. Yep. So I, I don't know, have you felt if you felt the same? That um, you, you talked about being a quality manager. Was that transferable? Uh, I think everybody has transferable skills and they don't really realise. So I'll, I'll tell you about mine in a moment, but I, I'll give you an example. But I met a lady at an event once and um, she said, well, I've got no real experience in property. There's nothing I can bring to property. She goes, I'm just a virtual assistant. 
And I'm like, whoa, you're a virtual assistant. Look around the room. There's about 150 people in this room. Guess what they all need? Virtual assistants. So instead of you being a virtual assistant where you're making maybe five, six, seven quid an hour for your time, why don't you hire other virtual assistants, set up a business and outsource to the rest of the room? And then at the same time, because you're a virtual assistant, you actually, you see yourself as a virtual assistant, but you know you're doing different types of jobs for different people. You're doing um, stuff in marketing, you're doing stuff in um, sales, you're doing stuff in admin, you're doing all of these different things. So actually, you know business. And she's like, I didn't see it that way. So everybody, no matter what your role is, I believe you've got transferable skills. Uh, the thing is, you, sometimes you need somebody to show you what they are. So when I was in, I was in Lang O'Rourke from 2002 till 2013, 11 years before I found Progressive Property. And I had failed in property during those 11 years. Yet I had the same skills that I've transferred from that role now and used that I had for those 11 years and I wasn't using. So transferable skills is one thing, but knowing how to transfer them and what you kind of touched on is the key. Um, and for me, like, I had a conversation recently with Mark Homer, the co-founder of Progressive, and he goes, that, he says, what actually did you do? And I said, well, I was a quality manager, so I was auditing systems. So I'd audit the procurement department and check to make sure they were ticking all the boxes and filling all the forms, and I'd audit the design department, and I'd audit the, you know, the um, engineering department, and I'd audit every department of the business. So actually, I knew every department of a business which meant that in property I could work on the business and not in the business. Because I wasn't working in those apartments, but I understood how they ran, which meant it was very easy to then set up my letting agency, set up my property businesses, etc., because um, I had the overview understanding of what the processes should be, but not necessarily do the work. However, I knew all of that stuff from 2002 to 2013 and didn't see it, didn't use it. And it was only when I educated myself properly on property and had other people say to me, why are you not using this skill? Why are you not doing this? What do you mean you can't set up multiple companies? You've been managing as a quality manager multiple companies. Why, why can you not do it for yourself? So I think everybody has transferable skills that they can move across, but it's back to the point you made, which is it's not always as simple as that. So you come across challenges, obstacles that stop you from doing it. So what sort of with you moving out of the Royal Air Force, you got these additional skill sets like, um, you know, ISO 9000, etc. What your plan, so you know the plan on paper is I'm going to put all this in place and I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to do property. What were the obstacles? What's the, what was the, rea you know where the dream gets hit by reality? What, what were the obstacles? So I'm going to say something that I know Rob Moore challenges sometimes, and that is imposter syndrome. So my obstacle is believing. So when I first came to Masopi, I mean, I did my research before I came, being an engineer, I'm going to do that. And I looked at four different um, property um, courses. And right. So for anyone listening, by the way, Masopi means it's a short version that we know of, the multiple streams of property income, which is a three-day event that you learn all these different property strategies. So um, if you want to know a bit about that, we'll put something in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. And definitely look in the show notes because it, was a, it changed my life. So I did know that I could do things in property. I understood some of the processes. I've been already in, in, in property since 2016. But that showed me the mindset that I needed and then the imposter syndrome. So I don't know if you remember the first time we, we were there. I was known as Skeptical Let's. And I was yeah, Skeptical Let's. front row. Front row, Skeptical Let's. Um, listening to your bad jokes, which I really like because they're bad jokes. Uh, but yeah, so... He said dad jokes, not bad jokes. Yeah. Bad dad jokes. Yeah, bad dad jokes. But yeah, it was good. So we were there, but it, it opened my mindset. So listening to the way that you could operate and, and we could do things. So even from that moment, I knew I could do something, yeah. but I had to process in my head because I was just thinking, this is BS, this is BS. I'm skeptical about this. And you picked up on that straight away and said, challenge me. And you challenged me in the correct way. And then after that, Dan Eaton came. He challenged me. He said, why, why are you concentrating on the money that you've already made? Concentrate on bigger. What do you want to do? Mm. And that really focused me. So the challenges I face is, can I do it? And I have to talk to myself quite a lot. Um, I do have sleepless nights. Um, I do keep going. And, and that's what I want to touch on is from the Masopi and from chatting to every, from every course I've done at Progressive, it, it's more challenging yourself to make sure that you just take you moving forward even if it's just one step mm. so i always try to move one step and it seems so in the last seven months i've gone from just 
being a person that flips and putting my money in other people's uh, projects, which is like the commercial conversion that we did, um, to then thinking, well, what can I do? I want to I want to build an empire, and I still have to tell myself, look, you can do this. Let's let's get out there. Let's go. Let's get chatting to the right people and putting the processes in place because I'm good at processes, like what you said. Being an auditor, the person that everybody hates, and everybody hates auditors. Um, I know how to then run the business, but yeah. I just need to get out my own mindset and then keep moving forward, which works pretty well. Um, and I'm I'm moving forward at a, a good rate of knots now. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Um, mind, mindset is so, so important because a lot of people think they need this property knowledge that they're lacking, but then sometimes people have property knowledge and they still don't get, they're still lacking. It's because it's a mixture of, and I always say this, the mindset plus the knowledge. So how, how has your mindset changed maybe over the last sort of, Two three years, what what's what's what have been the big changes? And did it was it? You know, sometimes you hear somebody say it was that moment. Was it just a moment, or was it like a just a number of things that? It's, it, yeah. So when you've got a dream, it's just a dream until you create it into a, a goal and then plan it. So over the last three years, I had a dream, or say rewind three years, I had a dream of becoming a property developer, doing big things, not just one unit, multiples of units. But I never put that into context because I thought I wasn't there yet. Mm. So that's the that's the thing. And it was at Masopi that, that I learned that. It's just doing the courses afterwards that, that I wanted to do it. Interestingly, I put on Facebook, put on social media, this is what I'm going to do. Somebody immediately popped up who works for the same organisation, uh, uh, not, not Progressive, the one that I work for, the Royal Air Force. And I'm not naming him. He's a nice guy. But he put, why, why are you doing those courses? And I went, because I want to speed things up. I want to speed up my process and go forward. I've went to Masopi and now I want to then really take a, a chunk of this. I want to make sure that this is my life to live. And he said, yeah, you can find everything online. And I went, okay, you sound like what I, what I did, uh, being sceptical. I said, I don't think you can. And this guy I didn't really know. Yeah. But he was he was putting it down. I thought, I thought nothing of it. I just carried on going. Didn't put me off um, because I, my mind was fixed and where I was going. I met him um, a few months back. And he said, I can't believe I've, how much you've grown. And I went, yeah. So you said you can find all this online. I said, have you? And he went, no. And I went, so what are you doing about it? He went, I might actually come and speak to you. Yeah. I went, yeah, feel free anytime. Yeah. But again, that's me t- jumping out yeah. and looking at somebody else's perspective of a sceptical let's of, of yeah. he's held himself back. Do you, do you know how I knew and picked you out in the audience and said, I knew you were sceptical? Because I seen me and you in a way. Because okay. back in 2003, I was the same person in terms of I went off and, and bought property because I thought you could just buy property. Nobody could tell me I needed to teach me how to do property. I knew everything already. I'm smart enough today to know I'll never know everything. Back then I thought I knew everything. And I mean, if we can build houses in Ireland, how bloody hard is it to just buy one? It, it, and property always goes up. Well, no, it doesn't. And only certain ones do. And in 2007, I attended a training in London and I met a guy called, in the room, just had the coffee, whatever. You know when you meet loads of people in a room mm. and then you never see them again. Um, I met a guy called Cam Devady and I, it resonated with me and I remembered him and everything because Cam was in more debt than me and he kind of made me feel good about myself. <laughs> and I went away from that training and did absolutely nothing. Like your mate, just did nothing, thought everything's on Google or it's all in books. Well, a book doesn't answer your questions. Google, you need to know what to type in to get the answer. Um, and it also doesn't answer your question in terms of verbally. It'll give you an answer. It might verbally watch a video, but you're not really getting what your plan. You're getting a generic answer. And sometimes a little bit of information in the wrong hands is dangerous. Mm. So 20, few, the six years passed by. And that event, when I restarted in 2013, I didn't restart. I restarted because I had to, but I didn't also just restart because I had to. I restarted because I, I was sitting in a room. I went to the Property Super Conference that Progressive held at Wembley Stadium. And there was 1,400-odd people in the room, well over 1,000 people in the room. Um, and I sat near the back, so it was comfortable, again, in my imposter syndrome place. And Rob Moore, the co-founder of Progressive, brought all these successful students up on stage, one after the other. There was a huge stage, and there was probably 80 to 100 people. Like, he packed the stage with all these people from the audience. And he started handing the microphone around, asking them about what deals they've done, what results they've got. And he handed the microphone to this guy, and he said... My name's Cam Devady. He said, I came to Progressive in 2009. It's about two years after he'd met me. 
He said I was in over 150 grand of debt and um, I didn't know what to do. And now I've got a multi-million pound portfolio. I've cleared my debt. I'm making eight grand a month. Um, and I was sitting in the room still with my excuses. And I realized that I needed somebody that I knew was in the position I was in to have changed to be able to get a similar result. So when you told that story about your mate and him saying, maybe I'll reach out to you, he's almost me as much as I've seen you and me, but actually you're, I see your mate in me as well. Yeah. Because, and, we're, and the thing is, we're all alike. It's like transferable skills, but everybody's alike. And we all see ourselves in other people because he needed to see you get a change for him to believe that it wasn't all on Google. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, that, and that's it. You've touched on a good point that not everything's on Google, but it's real world experiences that you need. So that's why I identified. So I've done all the courses. And he, again, when I first did this, it was like, why are you doing all the courses? Because I want to grow quick. But then you're chatting to people that are doing it right now. So sometimes I can go and Google something, but it's not a real world experience that then I don't think of another thought to think, well, this doesn't fit my plan yeah. to then go forward. And that's why I paid for mentorship as well, because... I'm happy to go alone, but I'll go further if I've got somebody there that's already yeah. trodden this path. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting beast of trying. This is just my personal opinion. I mean, not everybody will do this. Don't don't follow if it, if it's not right for you. But it's nice to listen to you say, look, this is correct. You you you're thinking the right correct way, yeah. and you you can see a bit in me that that's similar to yourself. But again, sometimes I'm quite conflicted and I want to push that question back to you. So sometimes I can be very conflicted with, with my thoughts. I'm really happy the way I'm going, but yeah. then also I, I get the fear. And mm. Do you still get that or is that over the, the years that you've, you've been progressing, uh, progressive, yeah. that is that, is it still the same? Still the same. Still the same. Um, I don't think it ever disappears. You've, a lot of people talk, it's, it's almost um, fear. So you say, you call it imposter syndrome. I call it fear. Um, and I don't think it'll ever disappear. And I don't think you should let it disappear. Because in 2003, I had no fear. And I went off and lost money because I didn't have any fear. And quite often people go, well, I'm afraid of, you know, I'm afraid to take the risk, etc. Well, um, that's good because fear keeps you safe. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Right, so, but you actually need to have the fear, but then research and educate yourself on the correct evidence and then take the step in a safe way. While in 2003, when I had no fear, I also had no evidence of what was good or what was bad. I just went bull in a china shop, I'll just buy a property and it'll automatically work. So fear is not something to be fearful of. Fear is something to grasp and move forward with. You should be fearful. Um, Imposter syndrome, fear that holds you back is dangerous, fear that drives you forward is good. Imposter syndrome is, is really an, a cousin of fear. And, but it, like, the reason I love this, the reason I love interviews, the reason I love um, coaching and teaching is because um, everybody has, has mentors. And many people will sit and listen to this thing, well, I don't have a mentor. Well, you do, because your parents were your first ever mentor. They taught you how to walk and crawl and they taught you how to ride a bike and they, they taught you how to speak or helped you with the teachers, mentored you and taught you how to read and write with your parents and they taught you how to ride bikes and they taught you that money doesn't grow on trees and you've got to work hard for money and the love of money is the root of all evil and all of this type of stuff. And then you had a line manager at work who was your mentor. If you've got a line manager at work, they're the mentor. They're the person that you run something past or they tell you what to do and you go, okay, I know I'm doing it in the right way just like your property mentor, and you can show the deal to them and go, am I doing the deal in the right way? Is this a deal, etc.? It's the same thing. So we've all been mentored, but we've either been mentored and driven forward or been mentored and held back. And your mate that said to you, it's all on Google, was mentoring you to hold you back. But you don't need that. And sometimes people do this because they, believe, they, they don't believe it's possible for themselves, so then they project that image onto you. If it's not possible for me, it's not possible for you either. Um, but your biggest challenger is your imposter syndrome within yourself. Mm. Where, like, I still wake up that I've got a multi-million pound property business. I've got over 10 companies. Um, we set up a new company now over Christmas again, another one. And every single day, I, I still wake up and go, I'm the youngest of eight kids from a farm in the west of Ireland. My dad was a plasterer. Um, this, is, this is not right. I stayed in Lang O'Rourke for... 
14 odd years in the end, and I stayed there and never did a job move. And maybe you've been in a job for years and you've not moved job. My reason for staying in Langer work for 14 years, I've seen people leave the company and get a pay rise and then come back on more money than they left on within a couple of years because they could leave and need to come back. And I stayed there because I felt that if I went to another company, maybe they'd find me out. As in, <laughs> you know, I'll get 12 weeks probation and I won't be able to do it. Um, how did I be, I became, went through the ranks up to quality, from quality advisor to quality coordinator to quality manager. And I'm like, how am I getting these promotions? They're going to find me out. And it made me work at my job. But in property, it's the same thing. When I started off, I just wanted to get out of debt. And then I thought, well, if I have 10 houses, I'll call myself a property investor. And then I'm like, well, if I get 20, I'll be a property investor. I'm not one yet. And, and I kept moving the goalpost because my mind says, well, Rob Moore and Mark Homer have got hundreds of properties. You're not a property investor unless you've got hundreds. So we always have this imposter syndrome. But instead of using it as imposter syndrome, you use it as your driver to get to the next level, to keep following and drag into the coattails of the next person. Um, and also the reason I like interviewing people like you is because you, you said that it's good that I see things in you, but you inspire me is probably more than I inspire you because I look at people who have got, um, who are starting out on the journey and they go away and they do this deal and they do this thing and you're looking at commercial conversions a couple of years into your journey and I'm thinking, shit, I would never have looked at a commercial conversion that soon. Because quite often you're looking at stuff now, if you take the same timeline as me, you're looking at projects that are way bigger than the stuff I was looking at at that stage. But did you get told that though at the beginning? So I got, this is the talks that you gave, talks that Dan Eaton gave, and I just got told straight why you want to be that. Go for that. Go for it. Yeah. And that's what I did. If, if two week, rewind two weeks before I went to Misopi. If somebody said, you'd be looking at, which is true, yeah. um, you'd be looking at something that would be worth 2.8 million, but you're going to buy it for 1.6 million. Yeah. Uh, and that's the total development cost as well. I'd have been, I'd have called BS on it. I'd have been skeptical again. There's no mm. way. But how quickly did you but, move through that? Oh, so again, as soon as I got over my mindset, it was like, start putting things in motion. But, start putting the right team together. I don't know everyone calls, calls them the power team. It's not. It's just my friends, really. I've met them along the journey, yeah. so I didn't know them from before, but they are now my friends. Yeah. And we just chat and go through and pragmatically sit down and talk the process, start to finish. And now that's where we're at. So if I can, I know I can go to them and ask them questions and then... So from the moment that you thought you would have called bullshit on it's possible for Gary Weir to do a £2 million development, the fact that you're looking at that type of project, how long was that? So it probably, it probably took me a couple of weeks to get it into my mindset. Right. Properly, but I was from date. As soon as I was told, yeah. I was looking at then yeah. in my head. Being an engineer, I need things to be in place. So as soon as I got those in place, and it was more like, well, let's work out what is process. Let's talk to the right people. Let's get the team together. Let's then look at what the figures are because it's all about figures. Yeah, exits and figures, and then you can work back. As long as you've got a keen eye and you know your area well, that, that's what you can do. And this is exactly why. You people like you inspire me way more than maybe I, if people say to me, I inspire them, you inspire me way more. Why? Because you did this within a, you changed, you, you got your mindset within a couple of weeks. It took me years. It took me years. Yeah, I know, but I'm sorry for, for going back on that. I, it's different lives. So you might've been in a different mindset and a different work and, and everything else. Um, and same to do with like your mindset as well. There's a lot, lot to do with cognitive dissonance and cultures. And I think probably a few years ago, it might have been a different yeah. culture. So I, I really like that you said that I inspire you, which is great. Yeah. But uh, again, imposter syndrome's kicking in now yeah. when I'm saying this. I don't feel that I could inspire you, especially with how successful you are. And then it makes me then question going back a few steps at culture. And I, I think this is really important. We're gonna, I'm going to go a bit more on this because there's so many people watching this now and you've probably got imposter syndrome and used in the wrong way. Because I still, you've heard me say this. I do call myself the stupidest property investor in the world. Have you heard me say that? Yeah, and I don't just say that uh, to say I was the stupidest property investor. I actually sometimes believe, I believe it within myself. I was, if you've seen some of the mistakes I've made, I was the stupidest property investor in the world and I believe it fully within me. I bought property off the Bulgarian mafia. I bought a property <laughs> that never got built. I did a joint venture with a guy who ran off with all the money. I mean, I screwed up so much stuff that... I'm the stupidest property investor that there ever was, but I learned from it. And if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm only really going to do something if everything goes well. Well, everything doesn't go well in your day job. Everything doesn't go well in your marriage. Everything doesn't go well in your relationships. Everything doesn't go well with your kids. Why would everything go well in property? There'll be challenges. There'll be obstacles. 
Let me ask you a question. Have you had challenges and obstacles on the journey? Oh, yeah, massive. Right. Massive. Um, from starting a podcast. I didn't know I'd start a podcast. Listen to one of Rob Moore's. All you need is, is and he listed whatever you needed. So I'm like, let's have a look. But then it's putting it all together. So yes, you can get all that. Yeah. But I still needed my hand holding. So I, I went to somebody who I knew had a podcast who yeah. helped me out. Really good. And then the uh, podcast, uh, the, property, the property as well. Has it been worth it? It has been worth it, but it, I've, I'm yet to, I don't want to count my chickens until they're done. So we have got something in the pipeline. We've had an, a, a deal agreed, but now I want conveyance into, before I then start shouting to the world, because I don't yeah. want to start shouting to the world and then it falls yeah. through. But this would be something that allows my wife to quit work and me to then do it full time. Right. So that's how big it is. Now let me ask something about mindset. If that deal falls through, do you now believe that even if it falls through, I'll just get another one? Yeah, so I've already started on the next one. Um, so I'm not just stopping at one. I, wa- I wanted to build an, a bit of an empire. I want to do it pragmatically, so I'm not trying to take, take on too much. Uh, but I've got a next one. And then there's also more in the pipeline that I've found that, yes, I need to do the feasibility on it. Yeah. But there's one all ready to go. So at the minute, it's with our architect that then goes to the planning consultant. Our QS has already been around the site. Uh, We're ready to put an offer on it, but we're waiting for all those dots to align before we can then say, yes, this is correct, and we are going to go forward and put another offer in. Um, And I've also arranged to go and, because I haven't got the cash for this one yet, but I don't have the cash for the last one. So I know I'm going to find it. So I've already arranged to pitch this uh, deal clinic, um, and it's more for advice in in another community. and hopefully they'll either come back with saying, well, it's rubbish, good. And I'm happy for anything as long as it keeps me safe. Because even if they say no, as much as it'll hurt me, it stops me from making a massive mistake. What was the most important thing on your journey that you've learned and changed? Was it the property knowledge that's helped you the most? Or was it, is it your shift in mindset? Uh, they're, they're equally just as important. Massively just as important. So I did all the courses and each one of the courses that I did so out of the five courses, each one was for this deal that I've got now. And right. it's not over the line. Tell yet. us about the deal. So the deal... Not the address, not the detail, but just no, how, no. how you use the different tools and techniques. So the tools and techniques, I'll, I'll go to the beginning. So this deal was a direct vendor. They came to me because I started posting what I was doing online. I was told that at the masterclass. So the masterclass put that there. The masterclass also then allowed me to understand how to then set up a business and go forward. So brilliant, I'd, I'd already got that started. So they came to me. It's taken months to negotiate because they, they thought it was worth more than what it was. So we've got them down from 6.50 to 5.10, which is pretty good. Yep. From that, the reason that I got my investor is because I was deal sourcing. So I was deal sourcing. This guy came to Lincoln, showed him around Lincoln, showed him the areas that I'd flipped and also told him the streets by name and the differences in price from one side of the road to the other side of the road. Really happy, but he said to me, well, what bigger stuff have you got? And I went, I, sh- I showed him two. And he went, why aren't we doing those? And I went, why aren't we doing those? I said, if you want to do those, let's do those. I'd already started the process before that. So I said, I've already got a QS that's had a look. I've already got an architect yeah. that's had a look. And he went, this is really good. I'd like to do repeat business with you. So I'm like, great, let's go. So then it got me thinking, well, I've done no money down training with you. Yeah. This will be a no money down for me because I'm getting investor money for everything. And we've got finance there ready to go so it's it's all in place and it'll be a no money left in plus taking a bit more more money out what's the profit as so as it stands um it'll be nine hundred and eighty thousand for the houses turn into eight apartments yep there's a there's one two bed seven one beds so that's the total cost that's that's the gdv of the house right got you it's got planning planning for the back now it's laps planning however we've got a councillor on board that lives in fact, I'm not saying where he lives. He lives on the same street. Um, and he wants it to be developed in that area. He yeah. said he'll assist us getting the planning through. There's already a precedent set. We've already spoke to the planning consultant. So we're going to get something on the back. We're in two minds whether to develop it or to just sell it. If we yeah. sell it, we can get two to 300,000. So when I've chatted to you, I've said 200,000 because then that keeps the figures correct. Yeah. Which means it's 1.18 million. It's going to cost us, I think, £725,000 to do which means that then we keep it and then we're going to turn it to an essay. So that's why I was talking So there's about. a few hundred grand profit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A few, yeah. Nice. Yeah. A lot. It means, so I want a portfolio. Yeah. So even if I just broke even, 
Yeah. I'd be, I'd be happy because I want to build a portfolio and then go on to the next one and do that. And I, I seem to be selling this to the correct person, which is, is yeah. now a business partner, is a JV book business partner, selling it to the correct person because he wants the same. So we've aligned. If it was different, I'd have probably gone on to the next yeah. uh, JV or, or somebody else that wants to do it with me or just got a straight loan. So I used all of the courses to get this. Well, I got the investor through deal packaging. Um, I'm going to send it to SA. So I've done that with Kevin Paneskis. Did no money down. So then I understood that I could do these types of deals and get an investor in there. The masterclass helped me set it up. Um, which one am I missing? Commercial. It is a commercial, commercial conversion. It, it is a so, commercial conversion. So, yeah, due to the size of it. Sorry, Dan Eaton. Um, the commercial conversion was the one that allowed me to put all the, uh, the, the things in process. So what do I need when? Yeah. Because it's so big. And the things, the additional things to factor as well, because it's such a big project and to get a QS and, and to get a construction yeah. company and making sure that they're talking. So we, all of them have all led to this. So yes, I paid for VIP and all the courses and it was for me quite a lot of money, mm. but this one deal will blow it out of the water and then, and I've got a quarter of a million pound or plus a quarter of a million pound in, in property that I own mm. that's then returning an income. And if I run it as SA, uh, done the due diligence, and I'm also going to pay for another mentor that's, uh, he works for Progressive, but as a PPN host yeah. um, that you know, Sonny. So he's going to come down and be the mentor. And I'm happy to pay for that because I know it'll help me grow further. Yeah. Awesome. So what's your biggest wins? Biggest wins? Um, wow. Um, I, people always say to me, like, what's your biggest wins and what's your, um, you know, what's next and stuff? And... And I always go back to when I was in Lang O'Rourke and bought, I haven't just bought those properties abroad. I mean, if I bought, I, I started in property three years before Rob Moore and Mark Homer, the co-founders of Progressive even met. So I, if I had bought property in the UK and just screwed it up, like bought, I, I, if I had messed up in the UK, I'd have made money, but I messed up abroad and lost money. Like I could have just bought anything. Um, so my, my biggest wins were actually restarting because it was very easy to not do anything. So my biggest win is taking that first restart step to just get going. Whatever, any deal, you can, big deals only come after the first step. So for me, my biggest win is always getting to restart. And number two would be... Um, education and, and learning strategies, learning things like rent to rent and mainly because, I, not because I've made a lot of money from rent to rent, the money comes, the money is there, I've made a lot of money from rent to rent, but it's what other things it's done. So for instance, when I came here to Progressive, I was renting a room in a shared house and I thought, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to embed logical sense to me. I'm renting a room in a shared house, paying another landlord. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get a house and I'm going to live in it myself and rent the other rooms out. So I took that deal on, first deal on, was lived, moved into the house, rented the other rooms out, and I could live for free. And then people moved into the house, and I'd be nice to her this time, but within a few months I realized one of the tenants was somebody I was going to marry. She didn't know at the time. She didn't even know we were going to date, we were, but I decided. Um, Is that creepy? And that's, creep, that's probably creepy if she's listening. But anyway, we got to get, I eventually convinced her that this was a good idea to like at least date. And then convinced it was a good idea to get married. And now we've got, we're married and we've got kids. And we've been married since 2016. So um, if I hadn't lost money in Eastern Europe, I would never have had to um, restart in property. I'd never have learned about rent to rent. I'd never have had to rent rooms out in my own house to other people to, to live and pay my costs of living, which means I'd never have met my wife, which means I'd never have met my kids. So my biggest wins for me are not necessarily the big deal I've done. It's the other things that have happened in life that have come from the deals I've done. So one is the fact that I restarted because that's the biggest win of all that first step. Mm. And secondly, it's the, the first rent to rent deal I did that led me to my family, which is actually the most important thing in life at the end of the day. And it's amazing how things line up like that. And things, I always say things happen for a reason. Mm. And it's brilliant. I thought you were going to say one of your other big wins, and it goes on. There's two. This is a two-parter, two-part question. Right. So the first part is, well, first I'll go back to to why I'm going to say this. I thought your big win was going to be the education of everybody that you, you see, because you put a lot yeah. of passion into it. Yeah. And it's great to see you inspire so many to then go out and take things. Mm. And I love Conrad's story. Yeah. Conrad's, Conrad's awesome. story is so yeah. amazing that he came across this country with 
500 quid in his pocket. Yeah. And then went, he knew how to work and then was at the work drawer. And then he came, did a progressive course. And then that started him on... I mean, I, I don't know what he's earning now. I mean, a lot. He's seventy-three rent to rent rooms. Seventy-three rent to rent rooms that and that he he's got f- through you inspiring him. So, is that do you class that as a win? Yes, but do you know why I don't share that? Why? Because, and this comes back to the mindset and the um, imposter syndrome thing again. Of I I I I spent years and I still get out of this thing. I've watched people on social media and. And I like to do a lot of hypey videos and all this sort of stuff, but um, I get excited about stuff. And for me, I, my big thing in property is I get, a, I get a kick out of securing a deal, negotiating a deal. Once I've got the house, it's kind of boring because you don't drive, you drive by the house, you're not going hugging it and stuff and kissing the concrete. And it's got tenants and I love my tenants and they pay the rents and they, they allow us to live the life we live and all that sort of stuff. But I don't love property i love what it does for me but i love negotiating a deal i love securing a deal and if i've got people like you and conrad and all of my students securing deals that gives me a kick to number one be and see that other people can secure deals in the way i do and watching them progress but the reason i don't include it in a big win or in a podcast is because in back of my mind in this imposter syndrome if i turn to the screen and i go and my big win is that I can help other people. And you know, people co- can come on my training and I can teach them how to do this and they're gonna get a great result. In the back of the mind, I know that there's people listening and I feel there's people listening that are like I was in 2003 going, yeah, right, sure, you're just saying that because this is what you do. So I don't, in my mind, it's a huge win, but I don't share it. Does that make sense? Yeah, just and definitely. Imposter syndrome again. Yeah, a bit of cognitive dissonance that makes you feel more comfortable. Say in that own. word again, cognitive. Cognitive dissonance. So it's a way that your brain will make you feel comfortable. So like when yeah. you say to a smoker, they're going to kill you one day. Yeah. Oh, no, they won't. There's not enough stats. Well, there is enough stats. They're just saying that to make themselves feel comfortable. Yeah. So, so it's a way of doing it. it you, you might feel uncomfortable by, with the imposter syndrome. So that's why you never bring it up. So then you'll make an excuse like you just, just made when I think it's... It, you should be promoting that. I do promote it. I know you do, yeah, but in but a way that you're comfortable but with. But in a way I'm yeah. comfortable with, yeah. And that brings me on to the second question, and I don't think you'll be able to answer this, but it would be interesting to find out just how much you make other people. How many million... Because you must have made... If you put oh, collectively wow. everybody together who you've taught on your course, how much would that have made? I've that, m- must have, that must be in the millions per year... I've never worked it out, but if you say like that one deal of yours is a few hundred grand, and that's just in the uplift in the value without the cash flow. Yeah. Um, across, I've been teaching people since 2017. So I've been 14 years in property before I started teaching people. 2013 to 2017, fully really doing it with the right knowledge. Um, built up a you know, multi-million pound portfolio before I started teaching. But twin, since 2017, so 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, five full years, we're into 2022 now, five full years of teaching people, it's, it's the amount of money they've made from equity growth, cash flow, um, yeah, it's got to be in uh, significantly more than I'm making for myself, if you add it all together, but that would be true. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Some, interesting, some of my students are making more than me because they've done more stuff. Like Conrad's doing great stuff, 73 rent-to-rent rooms, he's now buying properties. He's not making more than me, but as an example, he's, that's a lot of cash flow. That's, he's got him out of his job, he's got his wife out of his job, out of his job, out of her job. How many, apologies, Dorita. How many, <laughs> how many people, um, how, how many people have, not just about the money they're making, but a, a lot of people, I mean, in my nominated ground course, we talk through, a load of slides of people who've replaced their income and left their jobs. So for me, it's not necessarily about the amount of money they've made, but it's about the freedom they've created. And definitely I must be at, I haven't even worked it out, but 50 to 100 people that have left their jobs because of it. And others that have the choice to leave their jobs but chose to stay. So mm. they've, they know they can, but haven't yet. Yeah, that... So you, you touched on something there where you were showing all these examples. That's what got me sceptical. But then I, on the flip side, I was trying to think, well, how can they promote this any better? So it's, it must be a tough place for you to, to get up on stage having loads of people looking at you sceptically and saying, 
no, this is this is BS. But you obviously love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, how many events do That's you That's why I called you out. And, I, and I'm glad you did. Because, because it helped me move forward. But also what it does, when you call somebody out that you know, you think, you look at the audience and think, that guy's sceptical. And you call him out. What it actually does is it, it, it removes the tension in the room. Yeah. Because everybody's like... Apart from... from oh, call him out. Apart from, from the, yeah, the sceptic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everyone's looking at me. Yeah. Oh, look at this guy. Yeah. yeah. But a what did it also do? It, it, gave, it made you go, no, I'm going to prove him wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it was more. It was more the recognition for me to say, yeah. I'm. I'm stopping myself. I'm holding myself back. Mm. So that's what it did for me. I mean, whatever it does for the other the other people there, um, I'm sure it do something similar. What would you say to people listening in who are thinking, shit? Some of this resonates with me. Um, I hold myself back. I. I've got imposter syndrome. I'm. I'm. I've got fear to take the step forward. Um, I read a post on social media this week with somebody, and um, Beck Spencer said she had 50 grand. Um, she tagged me in the post say, because I said to her, money needs to move. And she, it resonated with her. And for me, that's a big win. For me, when people have something that is the trigger point that makes them do stuff. And she had 50 grand. And for years, she sat on it looking for the perfect opportunity. And house prices kept going up and up and up and up. And her money with inflation started going down and down and down. And she realized she didn't have 50 grand buying power anymore. It wasn't worth as much buying power. And she remembered Kev say, money needs to move. So what would you say to people who are listening in um, that have you know, all of these things going on in their heads, what should they do to get over themselves? Come down to Misopi. 100% come down to Misopi. My brain was so sceptical that I needed the kick up the bum to help me move forward. We're in a community here, so get, get within the community. It's on Facebook. There's, I think, 36,000, is that, is that Progressive correct? property community on Facebook at 38,000. 38,000. Yeah. But it's, the, it's not only the course, it's the community that you're coming to. It's the whole package. So when I joined this community, yes, it was amazing. There were so many people that wanted to help you out. But that's the whole premise of, of my podcast. Sorry for doing this. It's yeah. a collaborative podcast. Is, yeah. The whole premise of my podcast is you can stop yourself but because you get flustered. You might be a barrier in the way. You need to lift that barrier. So my podcast is all aimed by getting the professionals in that understand how to move these. So it's about mindset, getting the correct broker, um, speaking to the estate agents. So I've got people that are in those professions to get the barriers out of the way to allow you to move forward. But it all started, it all started with Progressive. Because I came to Misopi and I was sold. Well, I was sold before because I'd been looking online. But then I went to PPN. Hyde is PPN at Humberside. I was there and I just got chatting to one of the guests, which was Ellie McKay. Absolutely amazing at what she does. She's got her own podcast. We started chatting, talked about my ambitions, talked about where I'd come from. And that's where it led to me starting a podcast. So I sort of fell into it. But because you see, I wanted to help people, same as the community. That's the reason that I started my podcast, then move forward. But you've got to come. You've got to be open-minded. You've got to then work out that you can move these barriers out of the way and then choose your own path and follow it. Just take steps, but you need to you need to do the first step, which is come down to a misopy. Can I ask you one more question before we wrap up? Of course. Dyslexia. Dyslexia. Yeah. Um, are you, you're dyslexic. So I've not been diagnosed, but things do jumble around. Right. Um, so on the page. Explain how what how that is and and how that's affected you and and how you can use it to your advantage. So I I left school with two GCSEs purely because my brain is overactive. Um, I I was really good at school. I was intelligent enough to pass, but I just couldn't get on with the exams. So two GCSEs, a um, little bit good, but I left. And I, didn't, I didn't, never got diagnosed. The Royal Air Force don't know, so hopefully there's nobody listening. Um, and I joined up the Royal Air Force with, with those two GCSEs. And since going there, that's where I've then started getting more and more qualifications. But I've had to then process things differently. So there's more than one way to skin a cat. I don't kill cats, but it's a way of, of getting around things. And I just looked at what are my strengths? So the thing is, look at your strengths or ask somebody, reach out. Um, I brought the Yorkshire Dyslexia Network, which was some children. Um, it's my friend's wife that runs it in, in Yorkshire. And we got them to the Red Arrows and took them around. And I was astounded by th- the knowledge that they knew. Mm. So they walked to a Red Arrow, Hawk Aircraft, and one of them, must have been about 10, said, that's got an a, a dare, um engine in that. I'm like, a, a door, sorry, a door engine. And I'm like, yes, it has. I said, how do you know? He said, yeah, but it's, it's not got the reheat though, has it? And I went, no. It's not got the reheat. How do you know this? But this guy couldn't... He, he was, he was put, given a label and he didn't like it. Mm. So he was massively in a shell at school. 
but then you take him somewhere where he's a bit more comfortable. And he was so intelligent. So I used to talk to them about Neville Wright. So Neville Wright came on my podcast because of it. Because Neville yeah. Wright, focus on strengths. Don't look at weaknesses, look at strengths. And look at, there's always a way around of learning things. Whether it's somebody talking to you, whether you're uh, an audio person, seeing it in picture form, there's always a way around. So for me, left school with two GCSEs. I've now got a degree in engineering management. I've got NEBOSH. I've got ISO 9001. I'm an occurrence investigator. Uh, I went back and did my English and got an A star. And I'm like, wow, I've done this just by adapting the way that I learn and look at things. It's just not one dimensional. So school, I do think is important, but it's not the whole picture. It's just the guidance to get you to where you need to be. 100% agree. But you need to work out what you need to do. And if you need to go in a certain direction, you need to work out how can I get to that place? whether it's with qualifications or learning how to read, learning how to write, or can you get somebody else to do that for you? Or can I learn in a different way? Because you, your strength might, might outshine everybody, mm. but you're being held back by a label that is dyslexia. And I don't like the label. I know it, people are happy with it and to be called dyslexic and, and so on, but I think it's much more than just a label and a name. It's a, it's a stigma and, and people can get caught behind it. So... Yeah, I used to bring kids and, and try to inspire them and just try to say, look, Richard Branson, um, who was the other one, Benjamin Franklin and, and so Loads. on, Einstein, yep. all of them. All of them. Yeah. And I think for everybody, is, is and it's a good way to maybe wrap up the podcast, is that no matter who you are, where you are, um, you know what your background is, you can grow up on a farm, you can grow up on a council estate, you can grow up um, with, the, dis- with the, the label dyslexia, you can grow up with very little education, but it doesn't mean you can't become successful and you can't look back and change mis- anything that's happened in your past. And like I spent years blaming the world for all the mistakes I made in Eastern Europe and all the properties I bought. And then I woke up one day and I realized that like every one of those mistakes was because of a choice I made. And it's owning up to your mistakes and realizing that you've you got to stop looking back and start looking forward. And it's amazing how much can change in a year, two years, three years where a lot of people go, well, I'm in my 40s now, it's too late for me. Well, it's never too late. While you're still breathing, you've still got a shot at, in this game that's called life, and you've only got one shot at life, so you want to give it your best shot. So I think on that, guys, we are going to um, wrap up and say, um, I hope you enjoyed the content. I hope it maybe, you know, maybe it resonated with you. Let us know and in, 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 reach out to us. Follow the Brighter Skies podcast, the Progressive Property podcast, and make sure that you're you know, on, online, drop us messages on social media, whatever it may be, if, if any of this has resonated with you. Um, I've been Kevin McDonald. He's been Gary Ware. You've been absolutely awesome. And I'll see you next week. Yeah.